The swamp without a still is just a tent. A martini without olives doesn't quite make it. And Mash Minute is intended for mature audiences. Put on your headphones. Listen for the tone of your favorite podcast, Mash Minute. Well, it's a minute-by-minute detailed analysis. Of the movie without which the series wouldn't exist. Megan and Tierney, and guest will make three. Goddamn Army, MASH Minute. Welcome back to MASH Minute, where we analyze the 1970 Robert Altman film one fun minute at a time. I'm Megan Coleman. It is a fun minute, at last. (laughs) I'm Tierney Steele. And it's even got a gong. I'm your uh, guest this week, Jim O'Kane. Welcome back, Jim. Jim has been here for our trip to Japan. What has, Megan has cited as her favorite part of the movie. Woohoo! <laughs> it's fun. It's a lot of fun. It's a nice a jaunt, a, a very lucky jaunt. And uh, we're, we have so many different things happening in this thing with lots of uh, lots of fifty references from the seventies. People from the from the seventies would recognize a lot of these things, and it might might be missing to uh, some of our younger audience. Ooh, but, uh, all right, no pressure. Now I'm nervous. Accepted. Today we're going to talk about minute 83, which starts with Trapper making his demands in the hospital, and it ends with Colonel Merrill unceremoniously leaving the operating room. But he's got a boss mustache, though, you know. <laughs> Jim's a little biased for obvious yeah. reasons. That's fine. A bit. That's fine. A bit. That's fine. I I talked with uh, my, one of my one of the highlights of my life was meeting a uh, astro- Canadian astronaut uh, Chris Hadfield who. Uh, is king of boss mustaches. He's he is the boss space mustache. He's the fellow that did the uh, the David Bowie uh, space oddity song in in on the space station. And uh, oh. I was, oh, I was I, I was fortunate. Yeah, I was fortunate enough to meet him in uh, Portland, Oregon. He was signing books, and uh, we compared boss mustaches. And uh, <laughs> I said, "You've got a boss mustache," and he says, "Well, you've got a boss mustache." So uh, I will I will try and share a picture of the two of us comparing boss mustaches. Uh, <laughs> to your page <laughs> and elliot gould just burst into the room and is like i don't have it right now but there's <laughs> photographic evidence <laughs> ah. yesterday we had trapper's medical demands which made sense yeah they were based around how much golfing he wanted to do but they were legitimate things that a doctor would require to perform surgery but today the list of demands continues and it is not about that. <laughs> nope. So he he would eat green eggs and ham, but steak would be even better. <laughs> yeah. Now, would he have eggs with the, with the steak? Because I love steak and eggs. That's uh, astronaut breakfast. I am assuming that that's what he meant. Repl- ham and eggs will be all right. Steak would be even better. So steak and yeah. eggs. Steak and eggs, yeah. Good. Low oh. residue, great, lots of protein. You know, <laughs> if you're, you're going to be spending, you know, surgeons spend a lot of time on their feet, so you're going to need that protein to keep keep through a long heart operation. We should make our little paper nurses hats. We'll draw the insignia, the yes. rank that we choose on them, and then we'll all go out and get steak and eggs. Mm. Mm. Don't forget your final net because it's all those caps in place. <laughs> yes. Then his last request is at least one nurse who knows how to work <sighs> in close without getting her tits in my way. Oh, 70s. So here's the problem is that this is being delivered beautifully. Elliot Gould is just killing it here. And this is an insulting line that a man delivers as an insult to this woman on purpose. And I don't think I would have as much of a problem. And and her, oh, is beautiful and perfect. But the implication is that She's flustered, you fool! I've been bested by this man! And I don't like that. I feel like Captain Peterson would... She wouldn't double middle fingers as she moonwalked out of the room backwards, but, like... <laughs> she's she's flustered by the word tits? I don't even have to bleep that on my podcast. <laughs> well, you know, I'm, I'm wondering if who's more in control. The lieutenant seems to be the... The lieutenant is the radar of this organization oh, yeah. she's like i am dealing with a child here <laughs> and so it's like okay how do you want your steak you know it's like you're not gonna throw me pal i don't know i don't care what game you're trying to play with my boss but yeah yeah we can make this happen yeah. oh my god can you imagine the love story of her and radar 
meeting oh. and falling in love. Oh. Moving back, to, and radar walking moving back hand to Otama. Hand. And, yeah. Oh, oh. Looking out over the fields as the sun sets in Otumna, Iowa. Mm. I love it. Oh, there's a that, that that's a a tongue twister. I never realized there could be autumnal Otumwa, Iowa. Autumnal Otumwa. Ooh, I like it. Wow. She she is absolutely fabulous. She looks great. She her little like shot. How do you want your st-? like? This is one of the quotes from Mash. Yeah, it's in everything mm. you're ever gonna see about this movie. <laughs> Yeah, it is simply the most boss statement you can make. You're in charge. I mean, she's asking, she's making a request, but she is in charge. She's so in charge of the whole situation. The fact that when you Google image search MASH movie quotes, how do you want your steak cooked? End quote. (laughs) There isn't a picture of her. There's pictures from the movie. And then there are pictures of steaks. Oh, well, this is some BS right here. No, there should be. A, it's, it's actually, how do you want your steak cooked? Gong sound. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing. We don't know who this is. The internet will not tell me who this woman is. That is uh, infuriating. Wow. That's not even a word. That's she's how just, mad I am. <laughs> I She's think, just nurse. Ugh. I think it oh, might be Joanne Hahn. H-A-H-N. Who is an uncredited ward nurse. Hmm. The fact that they specify ward nurse and it's an English sound, you you know, like there's only so many nurses that are uncredited without a name that they bother list, you know. Mm -hmm. And so it would make sense, but there's no photo. I can't find any photos of her. I'm just getting poor people who happen to share the name with her that are like on Facebook. That would be my best guess. If someone held me up at gunpoint and said, who delivers the line? How do you want your steak cooked and mash? I would say, it was Joanne Hahn. And I'd sound a lot more sure because how are they going to prove me wrong? Yeah. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm going on process of elimination looking at a really long list of uncredited actors and actors. Have you looked her up in uh have, have have you looked her up in like Los Angeles area, you know, Googling? You might be able to find her. Well I Googled um I Googled Joanne Han, then I Googled Joanne Han actress, Googled Joanne Han obituary, and I couldn't find anything that was mentioning MASH. <laughs> I even tried Joanne Han nurse MASH just to see. Yeah. Uh, and um, for some reason under images, an image of Lizney, Lindsay Wagner shows up, but I don't know why. Like, Google, why are you confusing me? So I'm not, I'm not sure, but that is my best guess is that it was her. If any of our listeners do know or have, like, leads, let me know, because this is the same thing as not being able to find anything on uh, Kim Atwood playing Hojon in this movie. Yes. What the hey? He's, he, duh. I'm not asking for an oral biography of the guy like they did for Robert Altman, which is how I met all these people, but, like, come on! (laughs) An IMDb blurb is not a lot to ask. Yeah. I mean, I just mentioned people I went to high school with where cinematographers have more information. And, you know, I had a cousin who was in a film and she got an IMDb and a headshot. So, I mean, this is redonkulous. I'm trying to see if she's listed in a SAG-AFTRA under their membership list. Ooh. But it's not. Yeah. Uh, I can't get... And I do think it's funny because the infamous thing is how many people were introduced in this movie. You know, we made fun of the introducing in the credits. Mm-hmm. How many people originally didn't have lines, but Altman gave them a line so that they could get basically their SAG card. All this stuff. And then I started doing this project and there are so many uncredited actors on this. <laughs> and, you know, like I said, you can process of elimination. Okay, cheerleader, Fine football play you know you can run through all these people some people are colonel merrill uncredited (laughs) (laughs) it's an interesting challenge so i'm guessing the fact they specify ward nurse this is the only thing that makes sense yeah colonel captain peterson was uncredited colonel merrill is uncredited yeah and then there are japanese caddies and japanese golf pros that are uncredited and i'm like is there some deleted scene i'm missing and it's it's amazing considering the uh i mean well the extras i can understand but it's 
these people are have speaking lines. They should be part of SAG at the time. I would think they'd be part of the, the guild. Hmm. No. Why would James B. Douglas be mentioned as being in this movie? He's only, you know, in multiple scenes an important character. <laughs> <sighs> Because, yes, after after the line, the smirk, the smiles, the gongs, we do change to the operating room. We get a classic mash entrance, the just scrubbed hands held up in the air. And we get a typical mash movie scene where we watch them dry their hands through a blurry window in the door. <laughs> yeah, it, it does look like, um, it, it looks like the kind of windows that are made out of sugar that you could punch through. Mm. <laughs> it makes it a lot easier when you're shooting other scenes because you, you can have a whole nother set just on the other side of those windows. Yeah. And it's a cool shot. And then I'm assuming this line that makes no sense to me is one of the things you were referencing up at the top. <laughs> ah, say the magic word, you win $100. I guess you don't watch a lot of uh, Groucho Marx television shows of the time. Am I going to get yelled at again for admitting that I'd never seen a uh, Marx Brothers movie? <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, yeah. Really? Yeah, she uh-huh. hasn't. I didn't well, realize it until we started talking about them so much. <laughs> and I was like... Oh yeah, no, I've seen. Wait a minute. So you don't you don't know the lyrics to Lydia the Tattooed Lady, really? Oh, I, I do, but um, oh. so Klinger sang Lydia the Tattooed Lady. So I looked up the YouTube clip, and then I loved it, and I watched it a lot, and it was in my a mash day, mix. Yeah, Day at the Circus. <laughs> yes. Just, yeah. So, uh, but but I've never seen a Day at the Circus. I've just seen. Oh, okay. Lydia just the seen Tattooed that. Lady. Yeah, and you know who you know who wrote uh, Lydia the Tattooed Lady offhand, you know. Not offhand, no. Ah, okay. Harold Arlen wrote uh, Lydia the Tattooed Lady, and you might you might know one of his other songs. One of the ones that he wrote was Smoke Gets in Your Eyes, and another one that that's, he wrote... Oh, I know that that's song. That's why... Okay. Uh, but I, you don't know him from that. You know him from a little song called uh, Over the Rainbow. Oh, really? So, yeah, he wrote somewhere Over the Rainbow with uh, Yip Harbor. Then he wrote uh, Lydia the Tattooed Lady. It's another day at the office for him. Nice. I think I did... I, I was obsessed with the... This is going to make me sound like a super creep. You have to understand, I'm really just a bored history nerd sometimes. I'm kind of obsessed with the song Smoke It's in Your Eyes. Could you, did you know oh. Ava Braun used to sing it at Hitler and then blow her cigarette smoke in his face and wow. like hysterically? Oh, wow. wow. That was not going where I thought that it was, was going. Like her tease of wow, him. That was, a, because... that was a left turn, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, because like, we sang that in my college choir. Just, could you imagine? Wow. like? Wow. Wow. Yeah. So. I don't know if I... That, that, wow. I just... Wow. Some people have wanted to slow dance with me that song, and I'm like, I can't. Like, it just has an association for me. It's a great song. I love that song, but it's going to make me think of an anecdote that is not going yeah. to lead to kissing. <laughs> wow. Wow. Well, let, let me let me clear up the mystery of Say the Magic Word, you make a $100. Yes, uh, yes. What that is... Uh, Groucho, after his movie career was done, he had a television show called You Bet Your Life. And it was a it was a game show, but it was kind of a, a thinly disguised way of Groucho to do a number of monologues. And he was just getting to riff on people, kind of like a Robin Williams thing. He would just he would ask people questions and he'd he'd ask them little trivia questions. And the trivia questions didn't really didn't have anything to do with much of anything, except he could always t- you know, if they gave him George Washington, he could talk go on and on about George Washington. But what uh the gag of the show was he had there was a duck that looked just like Groucho. It was a it was a cartoon duck that was it was a stuffed thing that was hanging from the ceiling. And uh, much like Pee Wee's Playhouse, it would have a word of the day, and so it could be the word um, elbow or banana or anything you know anything like that. And it's like if you say the magic word, you you would win a hundred dollars. So if somebody said the word banana, you know the duck would come down. They play uh, uh, they play hooray for Captain Spaulding and. He, They'd get a hundred dollars. So that's wow. what, and that would be at the beginning of the show when he introduced the cast. So hearing him say, "Say the magic word, you win a hundred dollars." This means they're all part of the show now. This the show is about to begin. Okay. So that's, then he's interrupted. That's <laughs> the joke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Colonel Merrill bursts in. I do like that. We I never noticed before doing this podcast, but we see Captain Peterson in the hallway behind him when he swings those doors open. Ah. So I love the tattletale aspect of this shot that they bothered to say to <laughs> Kathleen Cordell, like, make sure you stand here so that when he enters, we see that you went and got him. <laughs> and this is James B. <laughs> Douglas, who I thought was super recognizable. And this is another case where I'm like, oh, yeah, no, we'll have so much to say about him. Let me look at his 
I don't recognize any of these movies. So he must be someone who looks like someone. Yeah, I thought he had kind of a Larry Storch look about him or possibly, um, yeah, he does look like about three different guys. Doesn't he? I mean, he was, he's very cool. And he's originally from, I shouldn't say originally, he was born in South Africa. I don't know when he moved because, of course, his IMDb profile is a little light. (laughs) But he passed away in Canada. So maybe Donald Sutherland was talking up the beauties. Of Canada, and eventually he ended up settling there. I have no idea I'm making this up. <laughs> hmm. Uh, I mean, he was in a ton, just not I mean, anything, are they mostly TV shows, or? A fair amount of TV shows, but also a fair amount of movies. Probably not large roles. I'm sorry. Whoo! 1984's Bedroom Eyes has quite the movie poster. Good lord. <laughs> anyway. Mm. Now think of all the people that are listening to your show in t- on in cars that are now frantically looking for, <laughs> looking for that don't picture. drive off the yeah. road. Yeah, pull don't up, look it up pull when you get to work. <laughs> you can look it up. Yeah. What was the name of the uh, the movie that you were shocked and horrified of surprised about? Bedroom Eyes. Bedroom Eyes. Okay. Hmm. Yes, he played Coroner Robbins. It's very red. Oh my. <laughs> It has kind of a graduate feel about it, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. I'm sure that's what they were going for. But, you know, Mrs. Dirtier. Robinson, get your feet off the bed. What's wrong with you? Who puts shoes on a bed? I can bring us back to Wholesome. I'm also quite taken with the one for The Littlest Hobo, TV series volume one, starring London as Hobo. It's a dog, folks. Oh, okay. okay. Oh, okay. Did you think I couldn't work a dog in, even in the scenes there clearly goodness. are no dogs? I can do it. <laughs> Oh, that wait, Lilith's Hobo is one of uh, the most famous TV shows in Canada. It's like our Lassie. Um, it's a, it's right up there with Rin Tin Tin. Uh, if if it's oh. the same show. Oh. Well, I mean, it uh, looks like it. it. What what year was it? Uh, this was in the eighties. Let me get you an actual. Uh, nineteen eighty okay. to nineteen eighty three. Yeah, hugely popular show. It's like up there with the Grassy as a as a big popular show Ooh. in Canada. Oh. Yeah. Dogs are, oh, I'm sorry. The whole series was 1979 to 1985. Yeah, it was yeah, frightfully uh, popular in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, Magical World of Disney network executive is J.B. Douglas. Ooh. Hmm. So I wonder what the connection is there. But yes, it, it's one of those guys. I'm definitely thinking of someone else. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you go down in, the rabbit hole. <laughs> he was in at the time he was doing this. He was in one of the uh, one of my favorite shows at the time when I was a little kid, The Young Rebels, which was uh, it was uh, about the American Revolution. It was all these like hippie kids that were you know fighting the British in uh, uh, Eastern Pennsylvania. It was, a, it was a real cool show. It was very groovy and. And he was in that, apparently. Uh, it doesn't say what he played, but he played J.B. Douglas was the name of it. Did he well, play a dirty old man? <laughs> I don't know. I can't. Uh, I'm assuming that he's playing a British guy. He he looks like a guy that would play a foil. Hmm. I feel like we could do a whole history of South Africa and why we all read this man as vaguely British. I just real I just realized who he reminds me of. He looks like Dick Sean. I'm so sorry yeah. to the people in their cars. Oh. Again, drive safe. Okay, did folks. you see the producers? Did you see the producers? Yes, yes. Okay, the original producers. I'm talking about Zero Mostel and Gene Wilder. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh the guy that played Hitler. Oh. The guy that played Hitler. Baby, baby, okay. baby. What's all this baby? And I'm looking at him. It's like, I was, I was, I've been looking at his face and thinking, who does he remind me of? He's Dick Sean <laughs> with a mustache. Yeah. Uh, Dick Sean. Dick Sean with a mustache, I think, might have to be the episode title. <laughs> yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> People are going to be real confused uh, when that downloads. <laughs> heck yeah. Dick Sean with a mustache. That's him. Oh, that, that was driving me crazy. This was... Oh, that was more puzzling than uh, than the Japanese on the wall in uh, in the last episode. Ah, <laughs> uh, now I can't well, not see Dick Sean with a mustache. That's beautiful, and uh, I hope you know who Jack Armstrong, All American Boy, is. Cause... Oh yeah, Jack Armstrong, All American Boy, a great radio show. And here's let me let me tie it all up for you here. Jack Armstrong, All American Boy, was a was a radio show in the forties. 50s that uh he was you know a, a, a kid that that lived with his dad he was uh constantly prone to adventure a la you know picture a 10 year old indiana jones and uh <laughs> he would you know travel the world uh and hanna barbera the uh the cartoon company decided they were going to make uh jack armstrong all american boy uh, as a as a tv show and uh they were going to make you know it, it was going to be like not comedy it was going to be serious like an adult drama 
featuring a 10-year-old kid that was frightfully uh, uh, precocious. And uh, they, you know, they worked it all out. They filmed the pilot episode, and then they got in trouble with the estate of the the guy that invented Jack Armstrong, the All-American Boy. So they scrapped the idea of having Jack. They thought, well, what else can we call him? Well, we'll change the name to John. No, Johnny. Make it Johnny. And instead of Armstrong, we'll call him Johnny Quest. <gasps> and there, that's what happened to Jack Armstrong, the All-American Boy. He became Johnny Quest Boy Adventurer. Wow. But basically the same plot. If you watch the original Johnny Quest from the 1960s, if you uh, and you and you watch the, uh, of course, you know when they filmed the whole thing, they had to scrap all the audio because it wasn't. <laughs> hey Jack, come here, Jack. You know, so they scrapped all the audio and they had to get rid of tons of the original uh, cartoon. But if you watch, if you watch the opening and closing credits of the original 1960s Johnny Quest show, those are scenes from the Jack Armstrong All American Boy pilot. Wow. So uh, there he was. I'm going to have to rewatch that looking for that. Of course, being a fan of the... Uh... Venture Brothers? Yes. yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. The Venture yes. Brothers. I have uh, partaken of the quest. And the uh, and the original Jack Armstrong, All-American Boy, the original pilot, featured a walking eye. A walking eye, Brock. It's a walking eye. So, yeah, there's Jack Armstrong. Oh, awesome. And there's a return of a character that I invented... Maybe someday I'll get to sue someone. The singing <laughs> Sutherland is back as he says, if this chest gets infected, I will tell the congressman who did it. <laughs> hmm. He just, and I love that Meryl looks disappointed. Like he's clearly like, uh, it, it, we've seen this with Volmer looking awkward where it's like, I'm do- we're done here, but I, I'm not sure if I should leave yet. And this is the same action from someone who is used to being in charge. Like yeah. the anti-Volmer, but doing the same thing. <laughs> yeah, and right over his shoulder is the same one who had previously gotten bested within the minute. You know, <laughs> oh yeah, right behind him, looking through the window, and yeah. he doesn't have he doesn't have a, a a major, I guess, behind him saying, "How do you like your eggs?" So <laughs> he just has to he just Wait, has to we crawl started the out. Steaks, sir, but we need to know how you'd like your eggs with that. <laughs> yes, did you want uh, yeah buttered mushrooms? Is that all right? Yeah. <sighs> this meal keeps getting better and better. <laughs> it does. It does. <laughs> this is another recording session where we walk out. I'm like, I'm so hungry. Yes. Let's go to Denny's right now. <laughs> I stagger out of my room, turn off the on-air light, like, feed me, Seymour. Mm. <laughs> wow. I don't have an on-air light, but if anyone would like to get me one for Christmas, uh, they should I, feel my, free. <laughs> my, lo- my lovely wife got me one, and I, I haven't turned it on, but I, I just pointed at it as I ran back here saying, I've got to record. I forgot it's tonight. you got to get all set. <laughs> So, but yeah, it's I usually turn it on. We have it on the mantle in our uh, in our living room, and uh, <laughs> I click on it like, Shh, tell the dogs don't bark. <laughs> oh, we uh, we're so glad you could join us. And yes, for the listeners, Jim O'Kane is a very good sport because we had different dates written down. So <laughs> I, was, I was all ready for next week. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> And you did send me all this stuff. I just, oh, I should have looked at the exact date and looked at instead of what I was writing on the calendar. Oh, <sighs> but it all you, worked out. It's We're all good. All it all, yeah. It's all good. Okay. It's, all, it's all in the can. Yay. So. And I'm really excited because I think I might have cried if you weren't able to make it. You said it's one of your favorite movies. And <laughs> I think you're our only guest who can talk about what it was like to see this. I mean, I can talk about what it was like to see this on the big screen, oh. but it was... Like digital projection in 2013, so different experience. I did, I did not see it in 1970, but I did see it on the re-release in 1973, the end of 72, 73. And I was 13 years old, and I was living in Brewster, New York. We just moved to Brewster, New York, and there was one theater in town, the Cameo Theater. And my parents dropped me off. This is when you, you know, 13 year old kid, you can just drop them off downtown and say, "Here, go, go to the movies. We'll see you later." And I got down there and uh, I saw that that amazing poster that they have of the peace sign with the Betty Grable legs and the hat hanging off the one finger. Mm. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'll go see this movie. This, sound, this looks <laughs> like it's going to be funny. And I noticed it was rated R. And you not not admitted without a parent, and you had to be seventeen. And I was didn't have your boss stash yet. I assume no. I please <laughs> years and years away. I spoke about an octave higher, and I was thirteen. Fortunately, I was five foot ten at the time, and it was co- it was winter time. It was a it was winter time, and I had a I had one of those old. Do you remember the Woolrich? That used to be a company that would make yes. goose down jackets. So I had a good solid goose down jacket. So I zipped it up. And I put the hood around me, and I buttoned it up tight, and I had gloves on already. Beautiful rabbit-lined 
uh, leather gloves. They were oh, they were so comfortable. I I lost them long ago and I still miss them. It's like ah, rabid. So I went up and I just it was a dollar to go see it. That's how long ago this was. Mm-hmm. And I had a dollar and I just pushed it under the window and I looked straight down. I pushed it under the window and I heard the woman press the button and a ticket came out and I just I just looked at the I just looked at the ticket and I marched in head down and went in handed it to the usher went right past the I didn't I didn't even want to buy candy <laughs> I walked right past him and I, I I marched down the aisle and unbuttoned my hood and sat down and then the movie started and nobody bothered oh. me and I was like ah, yes <laughs> and, uh, and it wasn't it wasn't my first R-rated movie but that's that's another story that's amazing. Uh, yeah, it was Ooh. it was stunning. The subterfuge. You know what? Trapper and Hawkeye would have been so proud of yeah, you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's when I fell in love with Joanne Flug. Uh, <gasps> uh, uh, well she, she crushed well, my she crushed my little thirteen year old heart. I was gonna say, what thirteen year old boy looking at a big screen wanted? <laughs> yeah. Aw, that smile, that aw. Uh, she take... looks into the camera and smiles while music swells behind yeah, her. I yeah. mean, <laughs> she's not she's not paying attention to anything going on. It's like this is my movie now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you probably were. Everyone was probably already in love with her by that point. But just that exit caps yeah. it off. <laughs> uh, wow. So yeah, that's so that was my uh, my first experience way back when. Gosh, Nixon was president, and the Vietnam War had been only over for like two weeks. So wow. <laughs> I'm old. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> That's no. I. And then we went home and turned on the gas lamps and fed the horses. And, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Man, my favorite is uh, when I love Lucy moved to Connecticut to Westport. Oh, yeah. She lived like right down the street from where I was, and so we love when she talks about like feeding her chickens and crossing <laughs> yeah. the dirt roads, and we're like. <laughs> The heck? Uh, gosh. <laughs> we my, had family here in the 50s, and that's not what it looked like. My 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 wife's uh, eye-twitching moment is when she watches Gilmore. She used to watch Gilmore Girls all the time. Oh, yeah. And Gilmore Girls, they'd always talk about getting on the 95. And it's oh, like, the that's what? such an L.A. thing. It's like, it's not the 95, it's 95. And the way they'd always show fall in Connecticut, which was in the middle of the Warner Brothers lot, they mm. would take an orange, they had, you know, they had all these green trees. They would take an orange maple leaf and they would tie one orange maple leaf at the bottom of each one of the trees. So you'd look down <laughs> and you'd see like, oh, look, it's all orange. It's like, no, that's California. <laughs> <sighs> Yeah, the the one thing I will give the Gilmore Girls is that all their cars still have the old Connecticut license plates yes, on them. Yes, yes. I love that. <laughs> yeah, none of that, um, uh, what do they call it, mo- mo- more, what's the, uh, uh, it's the name of the, uh, it's a gradient, but it's it, it, the name yeah. of it, when you do a hairstyle, you do a hairstyle like that, that oh, it, it oh. goes dark to light. What do they call that? Yeah, it's. It's not a fade, it's a. Uh, um, I can only think of the words dip dye, and that's not no, it for no. hair. No, it's, it's um, like ombre? No. Ombre! Yes, ombre. That's the word. I'm thinking it's some like, it's like the Spanish word for caballero. No, it's ombre. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, oh, ombre. yeah. The, the new Connecticut play. There's just something about that old solid, like, blue, white, we're yeah. done now. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's you like, can feel well, it's like it the old punched out of a machine. <laughs> it's like the old it's like the old townies uh Massachusetts plate. None of the, you know. Yes. Yeah, like green yeah, and white and just Yeah. Now did you're you're Massachusetts girls, you'd call them townie plates, right? Or is that Did you move to New Hampshire too soon in your life for uh, that? Oh, I always just call them license plates. Oh, uh, but the li- well the, the license plates like it's what is it the spirit of America? The, yeah, that's yeah. those are the yeah. well I always call them the new ones even though they're not new anymore. <laughs> yeah, but. yeah. But the old the old the old green and white ones we used to call them townie plates because the only people that had them were people that were have lived there since you know the 1700s or something. Oh, uh, I knew people who would white out with white out literally um, the M A S and put tax. Oh yeah, on the old town ta- on, on those like green and white plates. Wow, I was in I was in Arizona, and the thing that goes on in Arizona is people peel the. It's so hot, the the paint on the on the license plate melts, and they oh, peel Jesus. they peel off all the paint, 
so that their their license plates are basically gray. It's like anodized. <laughs> it looks like a bucket, but you can't read them at all. There's no <laughs> oh it, right, but they're still valid because well, that's a license plate, and that's what I put it on. It's not my fault if it melted. It's not my fault we live in a freaking desert. <laughs> <laughs> one more, one more before we go. Uh, yeah, do you all ever play the license plate game when you're driving? You you look for out of state plates. Yes, and yeah, yeah we have it on. Uh, on my car, I've actually we have a we have a browser in the in the center monitor, oh. and I I wrote a I wrote a program that would bring up all well it brings up fifty one plates it brings up the fifty states and the District of Columbia so we we kind of uh, checked them off let the last time we drove we got forty five states but I found out the states where nobody leaves are um, Rhode Island Delaware. And West Virginia, they're almost impossible to get anywhere mm. in the country if you're driving around. Yeah, so West I don't know. Is These are homebodies, very much homebodies. <laughs> so it was just kind of enlightening. And we've been on a couple of trips to like Florida and things like that. And it's just amazing how they never travel. It's really weird. That's weird because I feel like Rhode Island is always in New Hampshire. So it's like, yeah, they they must stay in New England because Rhode Island must be all it. over up here, but they don't go yeah. far. Yeah, wait, you're... They don't leave the Northeast. Yeah, your zip code doesn't start with a zero. I'm staying. Forget it. Yeah. yeah <laughs> That's... Uh, I think it's funny that, like, you're more likely to see a Hawaii plate than a Dakota plate. It's like, yeah. really? There's somebody okay. in yeah. Hanover who has a Hawaii plate, and I'm just like, you got that yeah. car shipped over, didn't you? Because there's... Oh, yeah, yeah, it's all Navy. Why would you give yeah. that up? <laughs> yeah. Or the... Well, the Alaska plate... The thing that I've noticed uh, lately is the Alaska plate has changed. It used to be really easy to spot because it was yellow with the blue. It had the blue um, North Pole... No, uh, Big Dipper. Oh, yeah. And now it's like this blue thing with a golden Kodiak bear in the middle, and it looks like... Any, it looks like one of the many Can I Florida. Say how much yes. I hate almost every new license plate design that has come out in my lifetime. Oh yeah, they're all and they're all like watercolor and just Terrible. it looks like uh. Thomas Kincaid designed them or something. You know, it's really ugh. they get rid of the lobsters in Maine and the Statue of Liberty in New York, and it's just like, yeah. what are you people doing? Uh, <laughs> oh, so those wrong. new ones do look horrible. Oh yeah, yeah, they're dreadful. I just like the nice, happy Hawaii with the, you know, with the rainbow. Yeah. And it's it's nice and simple. Keep it simple, uh, folks. Just yeah. I don't know who designs these things, but if you listen to this podcast, keep it simple. <laughs> Somehow this all has to do with MASH, but I don't know how. But anyway, but thank, but really, thanks for having me on I the can, show. I can say a great anecdote that is kind of depressing, but also really funny, which is a very oh. MASH thing, you must admit. Yes. Yeah. Massachusetts is Massachusetts slogan is the spirit of America. It's on our license plates. I don't know why. I mean, I know why because the revolution, blah, blah, blah. But like, I'm not from here. I don't know when that started. But when the Boston Marathon bombing happened and Obama came out and he does his speech, he came so close to saying the spirit of Massachusetts is the spirit of America which if you are in my generation, you might think sounds familiar because it's a Family Guy song. <laughs> oh, you know, well, some of Obama's young speechwriters were in the background being like, don't say it, don't say it, don't say it, don't say it. <laughs> well, uh, but you do, know, you do know that Family Guy song came from the original um, Massachusetts uh, vacation, that, the word, the spirit of America, that, that slogan came from. It was a commercial, from, right? Was a commercial, yeah, yeah, commercial for yeah. Massachusetts, yeah. <laughs> At least it's the car for. At least he didn't bring up cars for kids. So. Oh gosh! <laughs> <laughs> this tragedy is almost as sad as the cars for kids song. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> Which, if you watch the Good Place, yes, you now yes. <laughs> it's now it's the official anthem of the Bad Place. That's the best. <laughs> <sighs> so, gosh, yes. you learned so much on this show. <laughs> Some of it's about MASH. Sometimes yeah. it is. Yeah. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's about the TV show. Sometimes it's about the movie. It's all good here. Okay. <laughs> now, were you a fan of the MASH TV show, or were you just horrified that Lieutenant Dish was not what you were expecting? Oh, <laughs> uh, Lieutenant. Oh gosh. Yeah, there was. It, it was not. It was not the movie. I was. I was just okay. kind of surprised. And it wasn't like it was watered down. I was kind of. And and they couldn't. I mean, they were trying to find their footing, and I understand that it can't be the movie. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's like Spear Chucker disappeared, and um, Painless is gone, and, um, oh, the Tom Skerritt character. Um, yeah, they didn't even bother Duke trying to be Duke. Show up. Duke. 
there was a I think there was Duke somewhere in the first like episode or two of Man, the first episode of the TV show. But it was I mean that was um that was the night that you didn't go away from your TV. You watched uh you watched All in the Family, Mash, the Mary Tyler Moore show, the Bob Newhart show, and then it finished up with the Carol Burnett show. So it was like your whole night God was bless. entertaining. God bless. That sounds amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like yeah, and I don't know I don't know anybody you know like from 1971 on that was you know that that took over the 70s that night you do you weren't gonna go until you got a until you got a car license you weren't going anywhere you're gonna watch this show these shows all night long it was like it was like the nbc thursday night live lineup of the 80s or tgif or one you know it's like it they had such an unbeatable block i don't even know what was on the other channels because it was just <laughs> so much to watch it affected my life horribly like that because you just watch so much tv you say okay <laughs> Yeah, and it was it was weird when they had the when they had the laugh track, and then it got weird when they got rid of the laugh track. So it was just kind of um, I liked the earlier episodes than the later episodes. The, la- the later episodes got way too messagey for me. I wanted more humor and less. Um, gosh, I should think deeper about that. I don't, you know, less I, consequences. Less, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> that's our joke. Is this movie? There are no consequences no, for no. anything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's just. Uh. I liked Larry Linville's version of, of uh, you know, and, and I, I, Robert Duvall did a great job with what he had because I don't think he had much there. I don't think he had much to do with the character. He wasn't wasn't really given stuff. And Larry Linville really invented his character. Yeah, well, because they couldn't just make fun of the fact that he's religious on a yeah, yeah. family yeah. sitcom. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it more has to be that he's two-faced. And they, you know, and then when Linville decided to leave because his character, his character really couldn't grow. They mm-hmm. had to. They had to have him as a foil, and it was a one. It was a one joke. It was a one line joke, and he was just. And he's really a great actor. I mean, you can see him in other in other shows. He's very good, and he's been, you know, he's been up against George Papard and Banachek and all the, you know, all the the nineteen seventies um, um, Sunday mystery movies and, and and all the, you know, he was up against uh, Barnaby Jones and Cannon, and he was usually the bad guy, or he was like the. He's- it's so weird to see him in anything else. Yeah. And he's he, usually playing a very serious role. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't know if you've ever... Have you ever seen any of the IBM commercials that they did with some of the cast after after MASH broke up? I don't know if you've ever... I think you, I've God, that's, seen, like, one or two. It's, it's been years, though. Yeah, yeah it's, it's been I remember every looking time. them up when it was like, there's this thing called YouTube. Everything's yeah. on there. <laughs> like, what were you talking yeah. about? And they all get to play the same characters, and I felt, you know, like Larry Linville, he needed the money, but he had to come back. He had to come back after they let him go of the show, you know, and come back and play that same character that he he despised. But it was like, you know, he had to do that. He had to do that. It was an unlovable character. They did. Uh, I may be misremembering this, but I did remember they they made him out to be a pathetic character when uh, Margaret was getting married, and she was like rubbing it in. Oh yeah, and and he and he got together with you know with Hawkeye and Trapper or maybe Hawkeye and um, BJ. I can't remember what the what the overlap was, but they got he did something with them that showed up Margaret for being you know being na- she was being nasty to him. Yes, and uh, that's the thing I love Larry Linville with the Margaret getting married storyline. I mean, it, uh, the off screen the way it ends is obviously very pathetic for him, but yeah. they give him a few moments that really let him show. Yeah, yeah. And, and, I'm, I'm, and yeah, the fact that she's being nasty. And it, it, it would have been Hawkeye and BJ, and I forget which one of them says it, and it's like, she says something like, you make fun of them all the time. They go, yeah, but it's mean when you do it. Like, yeah. he, expects, or he expects us to do it or something like that, like pointing out like, hey, it's different when these guys who have been ribbing him the whole time do it, and when his girlfriend, cha- like, turns on him. Yeah, yeah, it's just nasty. And, it's, and it was, you know, it was really deeper episode it was a, the deepest frank burns episode they've ever had um <laughs> he didn't get a lot of arc <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry i wish he had more to it but anyway that's that's what the 70s were like for me i really didn't watch it as much in re- and i know you know you guys have only seen it pretty much in reruns but uh i remember the night that mash ended you know it's like everything stopped everybody watched the last episode <laughs> the weirdest part is nowadays like that was that was probably i think the biggest single show that anybody watched at the same time i think on network television and i don't think it's ever been matched and as a culture we you know we used to all we there were only three channels and there was a lot of crap on it you know it's like you know and you watch these old shows that they you know you watch like the dean martin specials from the 19 early 1970s you're like people actually sat down and watch this for a whole hour why <laughs> but 
but there was nothing else on. This is what you know. This is, we had we had a you know we had a piece of charcoal and a and a slate to write on, and we liked it that way. You know, so um, but. You know, nowadays you have to check with somebody. It's like, do you watch Rick and Morty? No. Oh, okay. Well, then I can't tell you what why this is funny. Or you know, do you have you watched Game of Thrones? You know these characters. You know, it's it's difficult to find a common reference point with with people because we're not all watching the same things. Which is, I mean, it's a good thing. There's and then we end channels. up siloing ourselves based on. Yeah, it, mm-hmm. we watch the same things as. Yeah, exactly. You know, you're just hoping. Well, what kind of overlap do we have? Do you have Hulu or do you have Netflix? Do you have Amazon, where you know, have yeah. you been watching The Boys or no? You don't have, you don't watch it on Prime. Okay, never mind. So <laughs> it's yeah, it's it's one of those things that we have. We're losing a sense of our pop culture commonality. So I think you know things when we're doing these movies by minutes. This at most of these movies seem to be popular enough that we all have intersectional points. When we go, oh yeah, I remember where I was when I saw this one, and you know, here's what Captain America means to me, or that kind of stuff. You know, and Mash is one of those movies that it's like you say, okay, I've seen, I've seen this, and even if they haven't seen this movie, mm-hmm. they've at least seen the reruns of the TV show, and you go, oh, that guy's playing yeah. Haw- Hawkeye, and we that, haven't you know. had to explain to anyone the premise of Mash yet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, have you had people that have never seen the movie? Uh, yep. Wow. Yeah, we've had a bunch of people that only watched their minutes. Uh, we've had a couple people who watched the movie for the first time and hated it. Uh, <laughs> Oops. Oops. And then we've had so we've had multiple people who are like, oh yeah, I didn't have a chance to watch the whole movie. I only watched my minutes, but I've seen the TV show. So I figured I'd know what was going on. And I'm like, yeah, how'd that go? And they're like, not great. <laughs> It's a very, very different expectation of humor in this, too, because it's a different age and people, you know, there's a different there's a different sense of funny nowadays. And, I, you know, it's like I, there's I'm never also a different goal even between the TV show when it was airing live in this. I mean, that's only a two year difference mm. from the premiere, yeah. from the pilot and this movie coming out. But Robert Alton and Larry Gelbert had very different goals. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, this was this was an anti-war movie. You have to remember, you know, this is as much much an anti-war movie as anything else. And uh, you know, Hooker's remembrances of what it was like being in Vietnam, uh, being in Korea, uh, easily transfers to uh, to Vietnam. But nowadays, people watching this don't have the reference point of Vietnam. The P- you have to remember, audiences watching this that was our reference point. We were, I mean, this this movie is 1970. That's the you know the the. It, it's coming out of the Tet Offensive, and there's some real, you know, the the Vietnam the Vietnamization of the war uh, was going on with uh, under Nixon. He was trying to transfer it over and get us out, but it was it was a sticky situation that we couldn't get out because the the Arvin weren't ready to to take over the war from us. You know, and that's and, and the overlap with Korea with all these things. You know, it's it's like they have Hojan in this is you know he's he's full of drugs so he doesn't pass the he doesn't <laughs> he doesn't get pulled into the draft this was going on at the same time with Americans trying to figure out you know what was what they could make themselves sick or, or not get into the army so that they would be 4F and not get you know and, and all those things made sense to people that were watching it i knew what they were talking about when they were doing this thing you, you knew why but nowadays i don't think people understand what you know that you can object to the war and they still want you in, mm. so it's um. I feel like I, I feel like uh, Grandpa and you know ro- rocking in a chair and saying, "Well, back in my day," but <laughs> but it's you know I don't know if the baseline of understanding that when you're watching the movie, having you know why why is the movie the way it is? Why does it open the way it is with all those quotes and things? You know, at the time, it all looked like. It all seemed like a reasonable thing to do that you're helping the Koreans uh, fight against the the North Koreans, but they didn't realize the Chinese were going to come down and and help out. Um, Look, you just described Nixon's Vietnamization policy, and I specifically didn't get out my my tools to rebuild the soapbox from the last time I got up on it and destroyed (laughs) it. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) uh, No, I, I was studying military history in 2002 2003 2004 yeah it was a yeah it, it was a lot of guys who were your age then being like you've got to be effing kidding me we're doing this again yeah <laughs> like guys we've done this we know how it ends yeah it's yeah. not a, it's not a good look and you know it's like the vietnam war ended in uh the well, the day after uh, Nixon uh, was uh, inaugurated for the second time in 1973, you know the war—the war, the war for America. Don't change horses in mid-screw. <laughs> well, the, yeah, the the more uh, the 
the war was over for us, supposedly. Uh, you know, it would, it would finally end for us in, in 75 on the roof of the American embassy. But, you know, all, the whole idea was the draft was over. Men wouldn't be drafted. I was, I was only 13, but I was thinking, gosh, five years from now, I, or actually four years, 17, I could be drafted anytime soon. And the draft was put on hold in, I think, in 70, the end of 73 or the beginning of 74. And so it was over. And I thought, oh, okay, well, now I can decide whether or not I want to be part of the military, which, you know, was nice. But then when, you know, with Iran and when they had, uh, well, yeah, it was, it was, it was during, during Iran, uh, 79, Carter brought back the selective service and every male you know, over the age of 18, had to sign up for selective service. And everybody my age that was, you know, it's like 13, oh, good, they're not going to have the draft anymore. It's like now they say, well, we're not having the draft, but you're going to have to sign up so we can call you into a draft if we decide to flip the switch and, and do it again. And it's like, wow, it they're going to start this craziness. Like you said, this craziness is starting all over again. And then, you know, you're looking at it again in 2003 when people are talking about with Iraq and the draft. And, you know, it's just the same old story over and over again. It's like, oh, we can't do a draft. We'll just completely restructure the National Guard as if it's (laughs) always been this way. And we'll send them. Yeah. Problem solved. Yeah. So, you know, I I mean, it's like we all have it's 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 the same story over and over again. And if you can find that craziness when you're watching MASH, maybe you can get you get a feel of what it was like back in 1970. It's hard to it's hard to picture this going on. And like, you know. Every night, you watch, you know, like 1970, every night, I can remember they would have the, the weekly toll of how many people died in Vietnam, how many soldiers, and then they'd show the faces of who died. And you're like, well, it looks like we're all, you know, and it, it was never ending. And that's what that's what this thing looked like. So, you know, I, I don't know if it comes through oh. at all when you're watching it now. When we get to the end of this movie, mm-hmm. Remind me that Jim said that and to look up old news broadcasts because I had never seen one with the faces. Yeah, I don't think Do I we have. Do think that's a ref- like a visual reference? CBS. If you look at look at CBS 1970 at any Friday, which was the day before this, the day before this, you know, like uh, like the uh, yeah. the CBS Saturday Saturday shows, they would show you this week's casualties and they'd show faces and they'd show like, you know, private Joe Smith from uh, Dayton, Ohio. And then they'd show, you know, staff sergeant so-and-so from uh, Little Rock, Arkansas. And it would show you the face and you just like, all these people are getting, you know, their parents are getting a call and they, you know, they already got the call. This is, this is what their, their news is this week for them. And that was, that was the background of why you're watching this movie. That's, you know, everybody sees this. They don't, you know, there's, like I said, there's only three channels and you see this every single night. And then you're saying, oh, my gosh, Vietnam is crazy. But then you look at, well, Korea was crazy, too. And, um, you know, it, <laughs> I hate being a downer about a comedy yeah, no, show, but this, yeah. this, is the background, this is the background of what you're watching. You're watching a comedy that's in the middle of, of one of America's worst tragedies. That's why Altman wanted it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it, it makes it more understandable. And um, I feel like a... Uh, unfrozen caveman (laughs) but that's you know i mean it's within my lifetime yeah well and that's the thing the fox executives who greenlit production you know even before altman got involved who said like yes let's make mash thought they were green lighting you know hogan's heroes for korea exactly yeah Mm. yeah and they they were so out of touch that they did not have that outlook or they at least didn't realize that that's how most people that that would be the background that people would bring to this movie yeah including the director but like the the viewing audience was not going to see a war comedy the same way a viewing audience in 1964 would have seen a war comedy yeah exactly exactly it although i'll never i'll never know how bing crosby got a movie got a show about funny nazis on tv I, i still can't get get over that with uh with hogan's heroes and being and being crosby being a producer of a of a nazi comedy show is just still mind-boggling to me yeah i love that show yeah yes it is still quoted all the time lebeau <laughs> yeah some things some things you know seem yeah. fine at the time and then you step back and you think oh my yeah springtime for hitler yeah, it's just <laughs> it's one of those things wow well, who's editing the show, by the way? I've just, I, I, I apologize. That we, oh, Tyranny? Okay, well, <laughs> sorry. 
A little well, quick on that one. Well, <laughs> sorry for giving you such a long one to go through, but I hope we all had our had our levels. Occasionally, set. occasionally you gotta you gotta. We're not gonna hit the hour mark. We're still uh, cool. Yeah, we're, we're okay. Good. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm just picturing all the people that usually have like a, a 30 minute commute in, and they listen to the show, and now they're sitting in their cars waiting. You know, I'm gonna be late for work. I gotta listen to the rest of this. <laughs> But it's okay. It's just right. It's like baby bear. Uh. <laughs> That's not where I saw that sentence ending. So no. <laughs> I guess it was your turn. <laughs> um, so we will very quickly plug our shows. Uh, I will say the best place to find any information about me is to go to onesteelsister.com. I have links to all my podcasts, including this one, my guest appearances, and my writing. And that is also the same name you will find me on social media at. Go! No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not actually going to, like, cut the mic at the hour mark. Don't worry. Oh, okay, okay, no. <laughs> I was like, whoa. Well, well I'll... I'll uh... I'll plug mine while 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 we're on, uh, yeah, and just like yeah. you, I have a I have a very simple uh, website that you can go to to find all my works out there. It's jimokane.com, J-I-M-O-K-A-N-E.com. Leave the apostrophe off for savings. You can go there and find all my previous uh, movies by minutes shows that you can you can tune in on. Also, my Vimeo channel where I do stupid things with After Effects and uh, my blog, and of course my my fav my famous old timey TV show website called tvdads.com so you can look up old movies featuring uh, old tv shows featuring single dads on tv from all the way back uh since the korean war that's how long we've been having <laughs> single dads on tv so check that out tvdads.com but jimokane.com you can find uh, online and also just right now uh, my being end of the show i usually uh we have we do different shows with lots of movies by minutes uh, uh hosts and i'm always uh recommending to people go check out moviesbyminutes.com where over 120 of your favorite so as at the time of this recording about 120 of your favorite movies are out there ready to be listened to in excruciating detail by some of the most uh, <laughs> rabid fans you'll ever hear in your headphones or through your car speakers so check that out moviesbyminutes.com and megan i know spotify has at one point suggested that you listen to a podcast that you appeared on. Yes, at one so point it was like, you should listen to Into the Night Minute. And I was like, oh, Spotify, you don't even know. <laughs> so I assume it's only a matter of time before you also have to bite the bullet and buy a domain. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we did Into the Night Minute and we're going to do Hitchcock Minute. I'm so excited about that. This is going to yes. be a lot of fun. Yeah. And you so. guys were awesome on Into the Night Minute too. Oh, thank you. <laughs> It was fun talking 80s fashion. <laughs> it was a nice break from Bash. It was a nice break yes. from Bash. Such yes. a different movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, there were so many. Fa you had the fashion week, too. It was like so many yeah. different clothes and, and tuxedos and things. It was cool. Wow. <sighs> so many Coke references. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on. It is never a problem to run along with you because I love talking to you about movies and history and all sorts of fun. And I hope we did not make you feel too old. Sorry. I you can't you can't uh, make me feel old. I'm already old, but it's okay <laughs> because I get I get senior discounts at the theater, so I'm I'm always happy to get you know five dollars <laughs> to go see uh, the Avengers. I'm swell with that. Yeah. So. Now that they're not a dollar anymore, you gotta you gotta yeah. have some savings where you can. <laughs> yeah, I just shake my fist and tell them to get off my lawn. So. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're going to kick ourselves off the lawn for today. We will be back tomorrow with a new guest and another episode or another minute of MASH. <laughs> awesome. All right. All right. How did it? Hey, Jim. Sign on to cast. We're recording in Eastern Standard Time. Remember... To turn on Audacity, then we can start recording. Ig, 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 